will fix you. Hello and welcome to We Will Fix You. Summer has begun and it seems fitting to remind you that the deadline is looming to send in your tasting notes. This year, the department have asked each citizen to lick one of each type of tree that flowers within a mile of their home. And you are cordially reminded, tongues off the shrubbery. This week, you will again be exploring those angst-freighted niches of your psyche where you worry late at night that perhaps everyone else is normal and you may be the odd one. Those things where you wonder, is it just me? If you would like to submit such a worry or ask us a question, get in touch at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Otherwise, sit down and listen, joining me this evening to hear your confessions. Mr. Dave Comfrey, goose polisher extraordinaire. Good evening. Ms. Lucy Bobbitt, Britain's least cynical serial killer. Hi. Oh, and myself, Roger, the chief petty orifice. Our first solicitation this week. Someone writes in, I had to stop exercising naked as I was getting distracted and aroused by the sight of my own genitals. Is this normal? Is it just me? How fucking spectacular are your genitals? Yeah, you go. Like, fair play to you if, if you does it for you. That's got to be very time-consuming. Reassuring, though. Reassuring, but I can't imagine you fit chores in particularly easily. You probably fit a few things in particularly easily at this point. I mean, it depends. Now, I think this specifically might be just you. I, I, I think the exact scenario, the exact alignment of stars, but I don't know, I can sort of relate. So, I used to do yoga wearing at home wearing not very much and it could be a bit sensual sometimes maybe it was certainly quite exciting but I don't mind talking about this I'm quite into underwear in a sort of borderline fetishy way not not like massively so I mean it's not technically a fetish I guess because there are other mechanisms it, it, things only qualify as a fetish if they are your, only your primary means of arousal I believe so yes so, not that it's, it's a sexual enthusiasm I like interesting pants I'm super into pants and sometimes when I'm trying on a new pair, I will find that quite exciting in front of a mirror. And I think there's an element of it being something you find sexually empowering is in and of itself a bit of a turn-on, even if you're on your own. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if, if jangling your bits around is exciting to you, I, I doubt that's just to you. But the full extent of it, having to stop exercising naked because you find yourself so sexy, that's Uncontrollably aroused, yes. At the extremes. No, I, I find it startling that someone would just, you know, be there doing star jumps and, and think, Christ. Look at the boy flapping that, around down there. That is, that is it for me. I mean, you don't have two problems that seem to plague people, one of which is poor body image and one of which is difficulty getting aroused in general. So on that, you know, it may not be the pinnacle of normality, but it sounds like it's working for you and you seem to have skipped over a couple of other extremely common problems, so why not just go with it? Yeah, this sounds like a bonus to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, if, imagine if arousal were as simple as looking at one's own genitals. What a never free wanking world we would live in. We've all been teenagers. Legally, but not medically. So, no, I, I, I doubt it's just you, but I can relate. You know, I've got the pants thing going on. Wearing quite boring pants now. I feel bad about it. We're grateful, though. Very grateful. 
Our next questioner asks, is it just me or does everybody just want to be naked at home when the weather's warm? It's not just you, I also want to be naked in your house when the weather is warm and I am making excellent steps towards making that happen. I, I can relate to this as well, although I think there's a kind of relative conditions thing. I'm a pasty northern ginger. I, on the one hand, am quite gangly, so ought to feel the cold, but have just enough northern that I sort of don't massively. So, like, it has to get quite hot before I want to get all the clothes off, but then, mm. golly, I want to get all the clothes off. And a lot of people, particularly a lot of blokes, seem to be like, as little clothing as often as possible at a frimsy pretext. So That's true. I doubt it's just you. No, I mean, I'm sort of relatively late in life to this philosophy, but I guess in recent years I've been having kind of increasing difficulty sort of maintaining a good temperature when it's up or down compared to average. My top tip, sort of beyond just take your clothes off and be in your house when it's, the weather is warm, if you want to build a budget air conditioning system for about £21, you can do that. So you get yourself a £20 tower fan from Lidl, you get yourself a one-pound squirty bottle from the garden centre, you squirt your skin loosely with the squirty bottle, and then you stand in front of the fan, and it's, it's like sweat, but you didn't make it yourself, so it's less gross. Good, you, you cool down very, very quickly. If, if it's a sort of hot night, can't sleep, just need a period of cool to get myself asleep, and then it doesn't matter what temperature I am, it's a very good solution. I, uh, I deploy evaporative cooling on myself at the beer festival. Mm. Um, quite often I will just shove my head under a tap if it's too hot. Yes, no. that's good. I also suffer from being extremely Northern European. Uh, I much prefer the cold to the warm. So it's not just you, but you know shorts exist, right? There are shorts. I think the core of this might be some sort of assurance that it ain't weird. Unless it is, like, maybe is there an element of you think it's transgressive and that makes it more fun? If it is, then... I, I mean, are you rubbing it against a window? That, that anybody else can see? Because if yeah. it's a window to nowhere, it doesn't really matter. No, go nuts. Yeah, do, do the people around you or the people that can see you be naked mind you being naked? I, I, I have a theory that if you're in your own house and everyone's, uh, you know, and you're not living with other people, you don't want to be naked in front of, obviously. There's really not many situations where it's inappropriate to be yeah. nude as long as you don't plan on bringing anyone else into it. Yeah. I, you know, I, unless you're turning up and expecting the postman to, like, look at all of you. One of the questions I'm taking on this week is uh, whether this happens to everyone or to just me. Is it normal to get bored of people somewhat unpredictably, several years or several months, or mere hours into an acquaintance or friendship, and then feel these great, terrible iron doors closing shut in your heart, rendering you incapable of caring for this person anymore? Brackets who may not have even done anything wrong. Totally done it. Yeah, totally normal in my book. Not in the way that's described, so I've sort of selectively ended friendships, but that's this sounds like an autonomic process. Not just based on a moment of doom. Well, so, so it's interesting no. that you that you said that because what I wanted to get into sort of in the discussion on this was reading an interesting thread a few weeks ago on Ask a Manager, which is one of my favorite kind of work related advice sites, which is basically can you give an example of when gut feel, and this is in the context of work, either massively paid off or was massively wrong. And the kind of consistent point that I very much agree with that kept getting brought up was the fact that, you know, gut feel isn't just some sort of weird magic that your body is pulling. Often it is you're picking up on subconscious signs that you may not be consciously capable of processing. You may feel that something is off in a way you can't articulate, but the thing that you've perceived is often a very real tell that something actually is off. 
So, I mean, you say you're sort of ditching these people who may not have even done anything wrong, but does it actually happen without any reason? If you think about the people in question, were there any patterns or behavioural things they were doing that you think could have triggered your no, this isn't a safe person sensor? Whether or not that's fair to them as well, because if you've got like a kind of abuse or trauma history, you're out, you can get triggered very easily by stuff that's not actually a threat. Human beings are phenomenal moronic machines for pattern matching. Yes. And also very, very good at, what is it called, is it pre-attentional processing? The thing where we, mm. we actually do a lot of shit before it hits our conscious brains yes. and shooting for, for danger responses. There's a whole bunch of stuff where actually it's kind of okay, at least some of the time, to trust your instincts. I think the other, the other aspect of this is, are you somebody who struggles to actually communicate firm boundaries with people? Because if you are, and you also don't necessarily trust yourself, but you're feeling that something's off, I can see that resulting in a no-shut-down brain conversation that you don't ever actually properly consciously process. Is it a way of essentially cutting off or ghosting people who you don't feel comfortable like properly addressing a boundary with? Because if that's a pattern, you might want to look into it. Have we had it done to us? So, I mean, you know, you and I have definitely felt this pretty much as described. Mm. Mr. Conbury less so. Um, so it's definitely not just you, dear questioner. Um, how many other people is it? I think I've probably had this happen to me. I'm not quite sure. You can't tell about the emotional end of it. If, it's, if someone has sort of instantly... Mm. You, you can't tell whether it feels like this for them. But. There's also, when you're on the receiving end of it, your brain tends to, like, pump in a bunch of... There are lots of extremely compelling reasons why a person might not be able to be a good friend to me right now that don't actually have anything to do with someone not liking you anymore and cutting you off because that's kind of hard on the old self-esteem. Humans are pattern matchers though. You will find ways of saying it's your fault or their fault yes. in some way or another. Like You'll find a way to process it and it's unlikely that you would decide that it's arbitrary. It's going to be dependent also on how you tend to process that sort of thing and also your prior relationship with them. So if you tend to self-blame, you're going to be like, oh, well, it was because I was a bad person again. If you tend to push your blame out, it's going to be because that person wasn't good enough or wasn't capable of treating you the way you wanted to be treated, that kind of thing. So I think if you're, it's... Uh, I mean, people have been writing a lot about sort of being on the receiving end of ghosting and there's just not really a huge amount you can do because you can't really push that boundary with the person. They don't want that. I really hate that term for it, but I can't think of a better one. There's just something about it as a phrase that claws at me. It just really? bothers me. Yeah. Don't have a better idea. Mm. Also, it's what everyone's using, so my opinions are relevant. Mm. It is worth saying, I think, that if you genuinely believe... Like, look at it, see if there are common triggers or anything like that, but if you genuinely do believe it to be arbitrary, that may be worth looking into. It may be indicative of something else. Mm. And if it does feel arbitrary again can you have that conversation with yourself that's like well okay what would happen if i either chose or did not choose to listen to these feelings if i chose to act on them in a way that involves not talking to that person anymore or if i chose to acknowledge them but also continue interacting because you've got you've got more choices than just the one your brain is presenting you with have you spent any time analyzing those well, the, thing, the thing i feel is it's it's quite once that door's come down it's pretty much never going back up, mm. for me at least. I, I find it quite hard to recategorize someone into the bucket of giving a shit whether they live, whether they live or die if they've been mm. bailed out of it. Which is interesting because it's... I had, my mum has a very similar thing. She said often that when a person falls in her estimation, there is essentially nothing that they can do to rehabilitate themselves. And I think if that is... you, It's kind of from the person 
with the feeling doing the choosing, it's a kind of sort of angry Old Testament God kind of thing almost. Like, well, fuck you, you're dead to me now. You're in the bucket of dead to me now. I don't really have the capacity to fish you out Mm. of there as far as I'm aware. So I guess this is just what, like, done now or... Yeah, I mean, I'm a terrible person, so that's, that's kind of expected. No, it's probably not just you. No, it seems not to be. My, uh, my next questioner um, asks, is it just me? Or does everyone vacillate between a naked, hollowed-out horror that we are plunging into the void and chuckling to themselves, remembering the mildly funny bits from The Secret Life of Five-Year-Olds? Well, not that specifically. I've never no, seen the show. Oh, God, no, no. I mean, if, if it's that specifically, who are you that you can get joy from observing children? That's sort of inherently monstrous as far as I'm programmed, but... Yeah, I, I, I think it's supposed to be one of those entertainments on the telly. Mm. I don't know, I've not seen it. I get the thing though, I get the pattern, because as I think I said on the previous show, I'm very, very easily distracted. So mm. Unless I'm like properly having some kind of episode, one of the best things anyone can do if I'm not coping well is to distract me a bit. Mm. And I think it might be a little bit related to that. Is it me or does everyone live in a state of constant existential dread punctuated by weird bursts of distraction or frivolity that you then feel reflexively bad about because you should be more upset about the world? Is that the question? If it is, then yeah, I'm sure that's completely fucking I think that's extremely normal because that layer of protection is probably the only thing that keeps you able to engage with the world at all. I mean, this is what First World Problems as a running joke is about, isn't Mm. it? It's kind of... At some point, I have to acknowledge that my problems, whilst minor, are still problems. And I also have to see the ridiculousness of being upset about them in a meta context. I mean, I sort of vacillate between entropy is horrifying, but at the same time, I can make Roger's life worse for my own amusement, and that's fun. There's very different levels of consciousness going on there. I think the answer seems to be take the diversion where you can get it, whether that's... I'd recommend... Video games or torturing Roger. Yeah, I do both. Mm. It does seem to bring you a lot of joy. Yeah, it does. It's a good time. I recommend it for everyone. Yes, I think the sort of it's less the kind of sacred and profane dichotomy. Mm. It's the sacred and mundane, and yes. the mundane is just going to keep creeping in because that's how we live. I mean, the people who are thinking all of the time about how bad everything is are also the people who are probably not doing the most functioning right now. And you've almost certainly got responsibilities that are not going to get better in the short to medium term if you just abdicate them in favour of 24-7 anxiety. So, Yeah, and I think it isn't just you. I think many, if not most people, do this. And I want to give you, not that I can, but I want to give you permission to do this. Mm. Um, a friend of mine has this thing, I, I can't remember exactly how they phrase it, but broadly speaking that they're quite tired of the constant demand from large chunks of their friendship circle to be constantly upset about how awful everything is all of the time. And it turns into performative misery as yeah, well. It's exactly. like how, you know, the sort of seventh seal, let's all walk through town and flagellate ourselves to show that we're the most mm. sorry. So yes, yes, things are shit, especially at the moment. There's a lot of shit stuff. And this isn't going to go all hugs and bunnies and find the joy in the world. It's going to be... But you're allowed to have lapses from thinking everything's shit, and those lapses can be as big or as small as you can cope with. Is it just me, or does everybody basically piss English breakfast due to tea consumption? I don't drink tea, but I'll be honest, midway through a Sunday morning, it's basically an espresso martini coming out of there. I don't drink tea either. My piss just comes out as piss. I drink a lot of coffee. It's basically coffee-scented tar. So, though we are... Separated by our choice of beverage, I do feel a, a 
kinship with this questioner? I think it's, it's one of those ones for me where it's, it's totally plausible that it would happen. I just don't have the personal experience to back it up. I don't doubt that it is not just you. It's, it's, it's not, not it's just not you. you. It's not. If you drink the same caffeinated beverage far too much, this is, this is an effect it's going to have. Maybe mix it up a bit. Try some Earl Grey. Hmm. A little, little hint of bergamot in there mm. for you. A little, little treat after the fact. Just don't uh, do it with too much lapsang souchong, or people will think there is a fire somewhere in there. When they say burning as a symptom of cystitis, they don't mean like that. Yeah, you're fine. Keep on pissing. Yes, do. The, it's worse if you hold it It's in. worse if you don't. And so our last one today is, um, is this everyone or is it, just, is it just me? Is it normal to feel intensely left out and lonely at parties that you yourself have thrown, even though all the people there are the people that you know and like? Let's take one from the room. Yeah, so I haven't done this, but I can totally, it, it feels like something that I would feel. Good, it's emotionally plausible yeah. to Roger. Definitely happened to me. It's not common, but... Is this because I come to a lot of your parties and make you feel deliberately ostracised, isolated and miserable? Yes, I mean, that's part of it. No, it uh, you organise a party months in advance, and then on the night you really, like... Not feeling it. Just not feeling it. Yeah. You have to do it anyway, you can't really cancel it because, well, this is England and it's just not the dumb thing, so... Uh, you go through with it and try and enjoy it if you can. But yeah, there's definitely times where I've felt, at least for part of the time, that really much rather be doing anything else on my own. I've felt this way at basically every party I've ever thrown to the point where I've stopped throwing parties and the idea feels kind of abhorrent now. Like a party is a thing that I organise, fail to enjoy and go to bed early from. So I, I have did a little bit of thinking about why this might be and I think for, for me it's kind of a combination of a bunch of things. One of them is something that I kind of call the expectation disease, which is I have this thing where I enjoy looking forward to a thing much more than I'm actually capable of enjoying the thing itself. So I'll have spent a long time thinking about how nice my party is going to be in kind of vague and non-specific terms and then turn up and actually just be totally unable to enjoy it. Usually because the me in those fantasies is just a different, better person. And then when I have to go with my actual self, it's a lot worse. This basically is the plot of Mrs. Dalloway. Well, precisely. <laughs> Um, so it's good to know I have a fancy old-timey disease. Um, I think some of it is kind of the pressure and anxiety of hosting, especially depending on what your personal hosting culture is. I think a lot of people are very diff have very different sort of levels of comfort with having people around. Some people are like, oh yes, just come around whatever, literally doesn't matter what my house looks like. Some people are like, come around whatever, but you're rude if you didn't give me 12 hours notice to scrub the whole place down. You know, I grew up with parents who were so extraordinarily antisocial that we basically very seldom had people over who weren't extremely closely related to us. So I don't really have a good, like, I never watched people doing this well growing up. And I think some of it is just fundamentally not really understanding what is the differences between a good party and a bad party. Mm. It seems to be something that kind of magically happens after a certain level of alcohol consumption and kind of critical mass of people turning up. But... I'm spending the whole time until that happens trying to tweak it, trying to make fun when I don't know how to make fun because I fundamentally don't know how to have fun or what humans enjoy. So it's kind of like a weird robot that isn't very good at enjoying itself trying to have a party and that is always going to be sad. Don't be sad, party robot. <laughs> I, I feel bad for party robot. Party robot needs some more dips. It does sound like a really bad 80s kids movie. <laughs> yes. 
Little Jimmy thought there wasn't going to be a birthday this year, but then Party Robot showed up. Party Robot, if you don't cheer up, they're going to take the youth centre. That's what it's out back having a fag and crying. Party Robot's cracking one out at work, he doesn't care anymore. Party Robot's full of amphetamines and sadness. Yeah, so this is the problem. The problem is that I am Party Robot and Party Robot's not actually good at throwing parties. Also, I mean, it seems sort of weird to... Like, I know this is a thing that everyone does and I assume you have to just suck it up and try it sometimes, but the idea of throwing, like, an event in my own honour feels extraordinarily Mm. deeply weird. Like, I haven't had a birthday party for a good couple of years at this point because it's like, well, I don't massively enjoy this existence so why should I ask you to celebrate it? I um, I actively enjoy hosting. I cook a lot. I have a lot of people around. It's not quite a party, but um, I always regret missing out on some bits of the interaction, but kind of... Because of kitchen faffing. Yeah, but yeah. enjoy throwing myself into the cooking to sort of mitigate some of it. Yes. Like I've got another thing to be doing while yes. the party is happening. But that can also be super stressful if that's mm. not going well, or if the party yeah. is yeah. going really well and you're not in it because you're fucking dicking around with the lamb or whatever. I, um, I've heard this from people with weddings quite a lot as well, yeah. not really enjoying, well, well not not enjoying, but that whole thing of the expectation of enjoyment is so much greater, so you spend so much time planning. It's the best, most day. expensive day of your life, you've yeah. got to fucking enjoy it, like that's a yeah. recipe for not enjoying anything. Also, everybody mm. looking at you, honestly, a wedding is my, the worst possible party I can imagine. Even if you, even if you reject all of that performative wedding bollocks mm. and do and increase I know a lot of people who've thrown weddings very much their own way yes but they've all pretty much had this this thing of um, it's not the same as the expectation you need to actively manufacture some time or interval in it for you you mm. need to actively work to enjoy it because you are there as a show animal for your guests yes um, so no I can, I can totally see this thing feeling quite alienated in a space you've created Yes. Well, because you created something that you wanted to be so nice with such good intentions and then you were so incapable of actually making that true for yourself. That's quite... It's not really a conscious chasm, but it's just kind of there gaping the whole time at you. And isn't there an extent to which throwing a party can never really work as the networking artefact that you might imagine it as. So it's sort of like an ur party in everyone's mind, the kind of the ultimate one. Yeah. You know, like when I was a kid, I used to sort of struggle, when I hadn't watched many films, I was like, what is a film? Like I didn't have a kind of set structure for it in my mind, but there is kind of a hypothetical, Mm. like platonic ideal of a party somewhere, and I've never been able to throw one of those. Well, and what sort of mean? Yes, yes, but I kind of, I think about it as... um, how many people can you comfortably talk to at once and then add a few because you're pissed? Right, if you're... Two max? Yeah. So it's like a fucking networking event where you already know everyone and the main point of conversation is that you bought them some Pringles. Well, I mean, let's say, you, let's say it's, it's you throwing a party for a reason, maybe it's a birthday party or you've decided to get all your friends together or whatever. So theoretically, you want to take part in all of the fun social interactions, but you've created an environment where other people are going to be doing that with each other. So you're going to be, even if you're kind of loving it, you are going to be acutely aware that you are missing out on some of the thing that you intended to happen, regardless of which bit of it you're participating in, because not everyone is going to be perfectly... The problem of having all of your favourite people in the same room is that you're not actually going to get an even distribution of said same 
extremely good people. And the occasional interaction of the geek social fallacy thing of not all friendships being transitive, which means that these things can be horribly complex. Depending on when people turn up as well. I mean, I, I sort of have lateness anxiety, so I tend to get to things early before it's really going yet. And then if you don't know the host really well, or the host's popped out, and you're with the people yeah. you don't know really well, you just sit there awkwardly for half an hour, which is usually when I bail. I used to drink through it, and now I don't drink anymore. Yeah. I just bail on stuff, or don't go in the first place. I think we're pretty solidly on, on team. It's this not is, just this you. Is, no, this is definitely a thing. I mean, I think in terms of fixing it, I don't know how to fix it in the moment. As I say, I've literally just stopped doing this because I found it quite an unpleasant sensation after a while. What has worked is figuring out how I actually value spending time with people, which tends to be more focused one-on-one or small groups doing a specific activity that I am not hosting. I mean, I even get nervous when my sister and her friend come to town, and they're probably the people I'm like the most comfortable with out of anyone in the world, but I still feel like there's an expectation on me to provide that sort of base mm. level, because it's my house and stuff. So yeah, take go out with a small group of friends to a restaurant, that's what I'd do say. You, do you think there could be... I actually, I find myself extemporising, and this, this, this is probably daft, but the massive recent resurgence in popularity of board games. It's a very focused, structured activity. It can bring in people who know each other more and less well on a sort of baseline mm. framework. You're all at the same level of competence, unless it's a game that some people know really well and some people are just learning, which is a whole That's other horrendous. problem. Mm. But assuming it's a game where everyone has roughly the same level of competence, yeah, that can be a good way to get stuff going. And assuming one person's played it, you know roughly how long it's going to take. It has a fixed end. Yes, so if you do need to go afterwards, there's your natural breaking conversation. Or if you want to stay and it's going really well, you've made a party by accident. Mm. Well now, isn't that just fixed like charm? Should similar charms appeal to you, you can contact us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Now, now.